0: My name is Jean-Patrick Bime Uh Seru I'm uh, from Burundi, Central East Africa. And I've been living in the UK, roughly 20, 21 years going. Um, so I left quite a young age, around 15, 16, at the circumstances where we had a civil war and a country in a war. And um, basically, going back, uh, because I think the war uh, has set, uh, you know, set the, the, the wheels to how my life has pan out to be to today. So though I live in England and I have my own family of two children uh, uh, with Lizzie, uh, the one is Elijah's, 10 soon, and the little one is going to be one this next month, February. Um, how I grew up, back home, uh, I grew up with my mother. My mother is not a married lady. She was a single mother with four boys, including me. And all of us uh, have different fathers. Um, but uh, as I grew now, finding out life and everything and status in life, I got to appreciate how my mother really held her, her ground in a way Burundi community and society is a very patriarchal as most places, but if I remember, sort of her status and how she was and how we, bro- we were brought up, and life st- uh, standard or how we were brought up in the quality of life she gave us as our children, I get to kind of look back and go, it's like, wow, she was quite a strong woman. She was, uh, as we used to have a term back. <laughs> I was just, when we were small our neighbourhood actually today people still say in Kirundi they say which means uh, the woman man <laughs> she was you know uh, she was fully a woman and at the same time sort of a man in a way you could not um, in the neighbourhood you could not mess up with her you know I remember how our neighbours respected uh, our household it just for her even men you know they could never thought, you know, think of causing any trouble to us. Because I remember, as a kid, I used to be quite spoiled. I was <laughs> among the four boys. I was very spoiled by my mother, and uh, if anybody, you know, had any qualms with me or trying to rebuke me, or whatever, she'd be there, you know. And and my brothers, to some extent, actually hated me for that because <laughs> it would be even themselves they were part of that. But she, as a single mother, and she had to do everything, You know, she managed to have her own house. She had a work work with an NGO for most of her life as an accountant. And and she was very protective of her children. And it was like a proper mother hen, you know. And she she had the first, maybe firstborn, my older brother, quite young. And we have different stories how we related to her emotionally. And now we're grown up, and she's no longer with us so we can help each other to cope and carry on. But what we've realized, we, we all have our father's side, families, and our fathers have their wives and other children. So all of us kind of don't feel we can really fully part of the other side of our fathers. We kind of feel like, you know, this is it. This is our family, you know, what mother managed to do for us. And so even recently, 2012, we went to do what we call a, fa- a last ceremony, of the dead, because she'd been dead, uh, she'd been, she passed away six, seven years ago now. And we all were not able to go back to it. And um, so we'd managed this time to go to that ceremony, all of us, as a closure uh, after those years. And uh, and after that, since there was a ceremony, you know, because it's a patriarchal system, you have to have a male figure of the, as a father of the household to kind of say speeches in front. In front of the the, uh, the people gathered, and uh, they had to kind of almost pretend that we had to find someone who be the representative of the family as the father of the family, because every side of our fathers or uh, the, the the children they were present, and uh, it was quite amazing. In a way, it's a sacrilege, <laughs> in a way in our know, family. And in the meetings before the ceremony you know, saying in the family, said, oh, who's going to hold the spear for the household. You know, have to be a man. And then we go like, oh, oh, hang on a minute, you know. And we as four brothers went back door and said, guys, we know our mother was not conventional. We know our mother was quite uh, radical and she she didn't agree most of things. And she was polite, but you could not push her against the wall much. She'll come to you, you know. And we thought, you know, if we're going to really live up to in a proud way, and um, give the honor to our mother, you know, for the love she's done to us, we will have to do our, the speeches ourselves. Normally, it's not the children. So we have to do the speeches. And in the end, we had to do it in Kirundi. In Kirundi, you have to kind of have this uh, certain level of eloquence. <laughs> and uh, my little brother chicken. Now I so said, no, 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 I've been to South Africa, I speak Swahili, I don't think I'll be able to. So if we, all you speak, that means I will stick out that the one who didn't speak so Celeste, the two oldest ones, to speaking from the oldest, they did that. And then he kind of goes back to remind me how we all love our mother. Uh, but the sometimes there are issues where the two oldest, you know, to be raised as one, you know, the father figure, you know. But in the way, she's done a great job and we're all healthy, as she said. I remember going back the first time in the 20 years I've been to UK, I've been back probably three times only, all right? First time I went up to two years or two years and a half, almost three. Second time I went back home after 14 years. And last time I went back to two, three years. So every time I go there, I to realize what job she's done. You know, it's just, uh, you know, we, we are not, you know, on the street, we are not, you know, touch wood, you know, all over the place. We seem to have families and and yeah, it's just so basically how we grew up, she's she would work and we have servants at home. We have a male and a female, female to do the whole sort of like mothering and cleaning us and da 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 da. But they have the male to go to shopping and cooking and, you know, clean the house and everything. They help each other until some point. And But there will be time like we will be too disruptive in the city. And one by one, we get sent to boarding school. Uh, So I remember going to boarding school since primary school, quite young. Um, In the second form, second form I went, which is like you are in a nursery. Then first year, second year, your second year goes straight to boarding school. So I was quite young. And, uh, you know, people will say harsh when I look at my son. I was like, it's time you go to boarding school. And my partner goes, no, he's too young emotionally. And she, the only word she would say to me was like, I didn't, uh, didn't get children so someone else can raise for me. You know, And I said, wow, that's quite interesting sort of saying it, which is great. And I admire how, you know, the love and attachment to children. But I can see why mother sent us there, you know, was a way of protecting us. And and it, it sounded and felt like it's the next thing you do if you want your children to go a bit further, you know, in our community and society. Um, and every time I look at it, I go like, actually, the school we went to is quite elitist. I, you know, it's clear to say it, you know. Uh you had people, you know, middle, middle, upper class, you know, and then there's something I realized much, much later, grown up, when I come to England, when I start analyzing society in terms of class and, you know, what's the level you have. And uh, yeah, I was sent to that school and um, after... Being a proper delinquent in the city at that age, early age, <laughs> so in the neighborhood I was pretty much menace of society of the neighborhood. <laughs> I just be be as just naughty boys, go out doing writing graffitis in people's house or climbing top of houses because if houses are cut kind of flat on the top, you know, all night take dogs and hunt wild cats and dog fights and you know just we have this like uh i don't know know, we call it in in kirundi torpedo is something you use to uh like uh in french of course they call it lance pierre you kind of you know we just make those ones in a small plastic and just shoot people in the night and you know so all those sort of stuff and so you just create trouble for yourself not turning up to school because you decide to go to the Local sort of uh, um, sort of garden where there are all kind of fruits you spend your time there and you get reports and you know, and all sort of things. so mother thing you know, there's no discipline, and I think she could probably felt she's not there fully, and that she needs somewhere that's very regimented and structure and early on, yeah so yeah, in a boarding school, in the countryside, and it's a convent, it's a nuns Catholic. So we stay in the boarding school, it's all these people paying, you know. You stay in the boarding school, but you go to a school, attend the schools that uh, it's mixed with uh, countryside kids, uh, which is kind of like a back, very mixed backgrounds, you know, peasants or people in the countryside, with people come from the city, things like that. So you learn a lot, you learn a lot from not just from the city life and you have the countryside life but then you go home where you sleep, it's quite comfortable than most, you know, the countryside kids. And it's safe, however safe you call that. Um, and that then became very again impossible after a couple of years in there. I got expelled after almost put in the prison in there. It's very young. The nuns decide he's not coming, he's a bad example. Uh, that's some knife fight with countryside boys because we're threatened because we come to the city or that we maybe have a better life than them and things like that. And boys and then saying, you know, it's the end of the year, we're going to, you know, kick your butt and stuff like that. It's like, oof, okay. And then you have to find your way to defend a bunch of people. Then it just doesn't turn out really well and then becomes, you know, a very strict sort of education. So if you start becoming uh, unruly, then it's straight, you know. Cops come to school, you're in the prison, before you know it, you're on the bus back home. <laughs> then after that, going to city, back and uh, to do, it's like fifth form, you get fifth form to sixth form. And at sixth form, you do an exam, big exam before you go to high school. Um, <clears throat> fifth form is very important. So by the time I get transferred, you get you get like 15, 16 courses. And then you have to have an average score but your education score, it starts at hundred. If it's a mistake you do in a the class, they take five. If it's a big deal, take 20. And if you're below 50, you're not going to school anyway. So basically I had zero. <laughs> so somehow mother rang her up, I don't know, I go to school in the city and there trouble was no far. And then uh, I managed to get the sixth form, go to the high school. Then at high school, I started realizing my family, they are a young, other young boys, couple, doing really well in education. I could see maybe start feeling this sort of uh, pride to achieve, start coming in. Pride to achieve meaning that, you know, I have to be one day somebody, do something. And this cousin of mine, you know, get to this private school too, blah, blah, blah. Everybody comes home, yeah, he's, he's great. You know, we were trust. I say, you know, I haven't got to be competitive. So I remember that coming to the city, I realized my, my grade was not great as my, my parents say, my mother say, I need to go to body school again. And then, then the trouble start coming in the city, you know, you know election and democratic rules start coming in, uh, you could hear tension. So if you say an ethnic group of somebody, you feel like it's uh, oof, so tense in the air. So just like, yeah, well, what's that? And then you knew that you couldn't say a Hutu or Tutsi in front of everyone if you don't know who they are. So it's almost like a contention, things like... Tension there. So we didn't understand. My age didn't understand. Probably our parents didn't understand. My mother never explained any of this. See, because I think in our family we have every background in our society in terms of ethnics. You have the royals, you have the Republicans, you know, who took over from the royal family. Then you have the Hutus who married in our family. Or in our family. Oh, now family, married some Hutus who are mixed or something like that. But it's something you don't talk about, you know, because tension that is in the country but even on that reality i just realized why i was never told about that you know because it was around me you know an old mix of people say i was like so we're already living it so probably that's what they expect me to to just leave us that you know so when i went to this boarding school first year is fine second year election really hot uh, and i hear stories that uh, hutus plan to hit kill tutsis uh this boarding school back in 72 they killed all the tutsis because the whole environment where the boarding school is is populated by hutus and they want to power the story of our country is that from the old times the royal family ruled until the 60s 50s the independence then uh, it went wobbly then a group of another ethnic group within tutsis called the himers uh, took power from um, the royals took off the monarchy and then the power apparently went along the lines of a relative family, which is kinda of my father family, really. Ruled since then. And uh, before that it was my mother's family, the royal family. So kinda of when I'm here, you know, in ninety seven, I'm going to investigate where the origin of the trouble of my country as an essay for my school. I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is my family. So when I call my mother in ninety seven and say, um, why you never told me? who I am, all these things. So if I went to politics, which side would I choose? She goes, well, it's up to you to make a decision. You know, She never told me any, and I said, well, what was What was the point to tell you any of this? There's no point, it doesn't serve anything. And actually, I'm grateful, you know, because when I see the problem today, how people are so hateful to each other, or, or they are so untrustworthy, they don't trust each other, it's the trust breakdown total. And 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 I look around. I'm like, wow! I have no sense of that. Even being a victim in the war, you know, being shot or in the in the massacre, you know, people will say, you know, you should really have anger, you know, they've killed your friends, they killed your, the killed you, they shot you, they, you know. And I'm like, and actually, I I see totally different, because in all that, it's almost there were moments, like in you know, a massacre in the school when it kicked off. In '93, uh, basically the first elected Hutu president for the first time in our history, an ethnic group that always been in a, like a serfdom and then becomes you know acquiring mobility in, you know, in a hierarchy. Then they want more participation and to to be to be ruling. Their majority, yes. And then democratic is still a debate. You know, does democracy means majority? And then majority means ethnic group. Is that really democracy? What is that? It's still a debate on going. It's still on Facebook during today. Um, and then the tension from past is vengeance, who killed who first, who, you know. We're still going around. We still have a, what we called the Commission for, uh, uh, for Truth and Reconciliation. Nobody is getting close to it because everybody around it. We still have people who've ruled before, uh, who have also participated in the rebellion to make it this, to come this transition. Still in the position of power, and we still all there. So held ransom to uh, something that is stagnant until waiting. So. Time will come. Will heal the wounds, but all these people are still there, you know, and they're having positions and stuff like that. Majority of people and the development is not happening, you know. So we're all frustrated, educated in the ways, but you go there, do you sacrifice your morality and you know moral values and stuff like that, or or how did you do? How do you get that impetus to say, okay, I'm going to work for my country? There are people who are doing it actually, you know, to tell the truth. And I think we're all doing it in, in a small way, but that sort of, sort of, you know, uh, mobilization of a whole nation thinking we have to get ourselves out of it, It's still not there because these, it feels hanging in you know, the big elephant there. All right. So in a boarding school, when the, the first president got killed by a party group extremists of uh, Tutsis in the army, killed this first elected president, accused him that they were planning another massacre of Tutsis. Uh, it goes back and forth, but, you know, uh, who, who's planning who, or maybe come, uh, Everyone accused the other that, you know, you're doing that because you want the power, right? So we, we seem to go around in circle and political spin all the time, you know. And and everybody have lost families. I know in '93 in my own family we lost around hundred people. You know, we're quite a huge family, hundred people. You know, I remember we go to church. They said names and names and names, old and young and kids, everyone. You know, and list goes on. They used to go like, oh my god, this is what. He's uh, been. So in a boarding school when the massacre started, I just came from the city, and it kicked off because they killed the president. And what we happened and the tutis and the people think that uh, it's gonna kick off in our boarding school. Decide to migrate to get out because there was no telephone line. The roads are blocked every hundred meters with tree trunks. So if any rescue comes, it takes I don't know how long. it will never reach you. You'd be dead by then by machetes. So boarding school, our boarding school were attacked. So the neighbor, the peasants who were supporting the political party that whose president just got killed, just attacked our school and took the teachers to burn them alive. You know, they'll burn them alive or chop their heads. So they'll put you in a in a house. This is a way of killing. Put you in a house and they decide tell you, you either die of the fire in the house with petrol, or you come out, we we'll chop you you know, machetes and spears. That was the thing, you, when you go caught. So in school, we put a whole group of people, we met at the, around the, the flag, the flagpole. We always, you know, have to raise the flag every morning before we go to the classes. And then when we were there, um, we decided to go, say, not taking anything. So we are making a, a long walk to the nearest army. Army is perceived as, in control of Tutsis. So Tutsis decided to go to this army station, right? it's a safe place they've got. We had, we had. So, but you have to cross areas where they're very uh, hard knocks of this other party, you know, were really, you know, machetes. So we decided to leave. Some decided to stay, but the majority will leave, you know. But we we'll could see teachers being picked up from, because the teachers lived outside the boarding school. And you can hear stories of people who come from the main sort of, uh, pick, you know, bus station where it goes to different directions, you know, and they can hear people say, oh, you see how that teacher got killed, you know, unbelievable, you know, totally naked and hitting him and burning him alive, you know. people like, oh my God, guys, we've got to move. I don't think we should be here by night. We need to move. So we decided to move. <laughs>